listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chipmon, it is a glorious day to be alive, sir. Aren't they all, man? I had somebody tell me the other day, any day on this side of the grass. So, yeah, at least we got that going for us. And, you know, today we get to talk some more about moving. You know, we've talked over the last couple of weeks about kind of preparing for the move. How many times have you moved much, John? If you count when I was growing up. So I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas on a house hunting trip. I guess the doctors didn't tell my mom she didn't need to be flying. So on a house hunting trip to Arkansas, I was born and we moved from Arkansas to Mississippi. We moved from Mississippi to Minnesota, Minnesota to Green Bay, Wisconsin, Green Bay, Wisconsin, back to Hot Springs, Arkansas. And then from Hot Springs, Arkansas, we moved to North Carolina when I was in the fifth grade. So we did all that moving around. My dad was with Warehouser. He took a bunch of different jobs and we moved around a lot as a kid. And I guess as an adult, if I can consider myself one of those, you know, the jury might still be out on that, but I've moved probably three times. And I feel like the last one we did, I want to do the opposite of what I did growing up. I want to stay in one place, stay in the house, you know, build it up around us, so to speak, make it what we want. And so I think that's the plan. We may have moved for the last time. What about you? I can't say that I've moved for the last time. I can say I don't want to move again. So I went through a period where I was a little bit transient. I may have told you, felt like I was in the witness protection program. You know, every two or three years, there'd be some sort of reason, whether it was school zoning or whatever, that we moved. And so, yeah, I, I am, uh, I hope I moved out for a while. But, you know, one of the main reasons is because it's so much work. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today is. We've talked about how to prepare for it today is I've moved, now what? And and so beginning the process of unfolding your life in your new home. John, when you think about the process of, you know, we've gotten where we're going and now it's time to do the work of unraveling what we spent probably months packing up and putting together. What are the first few things that come to mind for you? When you moved the last time, did you have somebody do it for you or did you do it yourself? I tend to do it kind of a half and half. Uh, <laughs> I pack up the small things and then I get somebody else to come move the big heavy things. I gotcha. Precious things like televisions and the internet. Yeah, I move those things, the router. I move those things myself because I don't trust just anybody with my internet and television. But yeah, you know, when it comes to sectionals and couches and beds, we have a great group of movers here in Florence that I use. You know, we use Reading Moving Systems and they handle everything else. How about you? So the last couple of times we moved, we rented a U-Haul truck and did it ourselves because I taught Kristen into the quote unquote saving money. I mean, we're still married. We didn't get divorced, but it was hanging on by a thread there a couple of times. 
I guess if you have somebody move the heavy stuff for you, or if you're doing the moving yourself, either way, once you get everything off the truck and in the house, you kind of want to go around, inspect things, make sure that things didn't break or some of your valuables didn't get damaged or things like that. So that if you need to report something to your insurance company, you can do that. But go around, make sure everything's there, make sure it's in the same shape that you thought it was before. We moved the last time in the middle and snow is rare in this part of North Carolina because we are on the coast. But the last time we moved, it was in the middle of a snowstorm and the driveway was basically a complete sheet of ice. And there happened to be a box of glassware that I was moving out to the truck and I did slip on the ice and drop the box. And so I picked this box up after we got it to the new house and shook it. And there was definitely a lot of rattling inside that Kristen was not happy about. But yeah, you definitely want to go through and make sure that everything is where you think it is. And if you didn't clean it before it went on the truck, maybe you need to get the dust off or dirt off some of the things before you move them into the house or before you put them where they're going to go. And then you start unpacking. Have you unpacked fully from your last move, Chip? You know, I don't know if most people ever fully unpack. Yeah, you know, surely there's a box or some sort of big utility Tupperwares in my attic somewhere that didn't get fully unpacked. But I'll tell you, John, movers are a lot cheaper than divorce. Trust me on that. <laughs> and the one good thing about your situation with that box is, you know, we always talk about hiring a professional and having a team. If you had had somebody else on your team, if anybody else other than you and Kristen had been involved in the move, then at least you could put the box down somewhere, let her open it later and be like, I don't know what happened. I'm going to call the movers. So there are benefits, I think, to working with professionals. And the thing is, when we look at, in addition, right, to the stuff that you brought, when you move, there are lots of new things that you have to deal with or things that you had maybe at your old or your primary, you know, because in some cases, when we talk about moving, it's not a full-time thing. Maybe you're going to spend part of the year in a warmer climate. So sometimes it's just getting up to speed with all the things that you were already accustomed too. So things like your security system, you know, if your new house has a security system, getting that set up, working through all of the changes of, so the change of address, making sure all your bills and statements and all those things don't have to worry about catalogs. Catalogs will find you wherever <laughs> you go. So I, I can attest to that. I even get my mom's catalogs at my house and she's never even lived here. So I'm not really sure how those work, but they'll find ways to send you those things. But you've got a lot of things I mentioned earlier, TV, your cable, your utilities, like there, there's just a lot of administrative stuff early on. And what I have found is it also feels very rushed because you've got that period of time where the old owner is leaving and you're coming in and you've got to get those things changed over. And so it can feel like a lot, particularly when all your stuff is in boxes and you can't get Netflix. It's a tough life. It is. It is. I mean, you don't realize it. And then the things that you're used to suddenly aren't there. And, you know, there's a lot of change going on. It's not an easy situation, but it's got to be done. So you're setting up your home and sometimes you'll set it up one way and live there for a few months and then realize that you don't want it set up that way and you'll change things around again and that's okay too, but it's a necessary first step. 
I think, John, it's also important to note, it's a little bit like, have you ever gone through that cleansing, like digital cleansing with your phone where you just delete all the apps because things are just too full? There's some overwhelm. You know, one of the books that I read on that suggested that you delete everything and you only add things back as you need them or want to use them. This is a great way to be able to, if you were looking for an opportunity to simplify, you know, maybe this is a, a way to do that. You had lots of different things, maybe before the move, that you just add some of them back as you need them when you get to your new destination. There's a psychological impact or effect that they've done studies on. It's called the Hawthorne effect. But basically what that is, is if somebody has a room or something that they're used to being set up the, a certain way, like your home office, and then suddenly you go and just simply rearrange the furniture, put your desk in a different spot, do something different with a lamp or a chair or something, hang different pictures on the wall. The change in surroundings when you go into that room and do what you would normally do there it has actually shown for about six months, the first six months after making those changes, you are more productive at doing whatever you were doing in that room than before. And so, like you said, it's that chance to take something that you're used to, change it, and potentially just make it new. Start from scratch, do something different, and see what happens. You know, you never know uh, what kind of positive uh, outcomes could occur just because simply a chair is in a different spot than it was before. Which is a lot cheaper than moving. You could just shuffle your stuff around in the place where you live, right? <laughs> but, That's right. you know, in addition to the things that we have to do at home, there are also just a lot of other things that we have to take care of. You know, you look at things like changing over or dealing with your license and your registration at the DMV. John, I think you were in politics at one time. Maybe you still are kind of that shadow boss kind of guy. But you've got to change your voter registration. Then again, I know plenty of people who have moved and left their voter registration in their old district. So I guess it depends on how committed you are to who the mayor of your old town was. And we've talked also about things like finding health care providers and making sure you transfer the things that are important to you. Because there are going to be a handful of key relationships you want to make sure that you get established early because if you need them, again, things like doctors, dentists, where you could have unexpected emergent needs, you want to make sure that you've already taken care of those things and made sure in today's world with the cost of healthcare that you've made sure you know who's in network and who's not. And most of the people, John, that I know, that's one of the things that they look at before they move. They want to make sure that part is taken care of. It's actually a big part in a lot of cases, of the decision of where to move is access to care and how things are going to fall within insurance. I think people are a lot more mindful of that today than they used to be. All the things you just mentioned, some of those can be, I don't know, not great experiences, especially if you're thinking about waiting in line at the DMV to get your license and registration updated. Maybe you have to do it. Maybe you can do it online these days, but it's something that you have to do. And so you kind of just bite the bullet and go do it. And with voter registration and all the changes and restrictions about how and where you can vote and what has to be updated, it's always better to get that done ahead of time than wait till the last minute, especially if you consider the people that make decisions about how your tax money is spent uh, important. 
outside the personal stuff, you have your family that you have to think about. And like you said, school, I don't know if they call it rezonings or school zone changes. You know, you've probably already looked at schools. That's maybe why you picked the house that you're living in now. So you can always look more into that and finding something to do on a Sunday, like go to church and talk to people about the different worship services. I mean, my mother is a religious churchgoer, I guess. Put those two words together. What a surprise. And my father would go on occasion, but he also found religion, so to speak, out on the boat. And so he would go fishing on Sunday mornings on occasion as well and talk to God that way. But it's always an important part of people's lives. So that's something that you can go around and look and you might not find the right church at the first go. You might have to go and listen to somebody and and meet some of the people and you might try out several of them. But that's one thing that you can do. And then civic organizations like a Rotary Club or a Kiwanis Club or something like that, where you immediately go to the meeting and they will tell you how you can start helping out in your community. They already know the areas that need to be fixed or the people that need help. So sometimes they can just point you in the right direction there. That's one of the easy places that I start whenever I move to a new town is, you know, find a Rotary Club or find a Kiwanis Club and and kind of get started. Yeah. And don't be shy about checking out more than one. I know in Florence, there might be three or four Rotary Clubs or, or whatever. And not only do you want to find your group of people, but if you are looking to establish a network, whether that's for business or just to enhance your ability to serve, to be honest, some of the clubs in any given town are more active than others. And it's a great way to really build your network. Again, not necessarily for business, but Florence has a couple that are just known to be incredibly social and active in their service. And so it's important to find the right mix of that. And so I think that you nailed it, John. One of the things that we talk to advisors about when relocating, you and I both have had a chance to work with Zach in our Greenville office. He's in our Greenville office now. He worked with me. He came and worked with you for a while, and now he's running our Greenville office. And one of the things that we talk about with our advisors when they move is exactly those things. Finding a civic group, finding a charitable organization that you can be a part of, finding your church home, if you will, and then finding a place or two to be a regular, right? Everybody wants to be able to have a breakfast place or a place to get a cup of coffee or that place that you go unwind after work. And in my experience, the best way to get acclimated to a new area is to go to the same place for a while because you actually start to a little bit like whether it's Cheers or any of those kinds of shows, people travel in routines. And so you become familiar with a group of people and it it makes it a lot easier, I think, to meet people and start to establish new routes. But another part of establishing new routes, John, is checking out and understanding the new and the nuances of your finances once you've moved. That's right. You might have moved, people here have moved to South Carolina, Chip, because taxes are different there, property taxes are different, state income tax is different, things like that. So maybe you moved because you wanted to change your budget and lower expenses overall, or maybe your reason for your move had nothing to do with finances at all whatsoever. 
just a change of pace. But where I usually tell people to start is take a look at your emergency fund, the amount of money, boring, horrible, stupid cash that goes you to look at because it never does anything, but it's there for a purpose. And you look at that amount over the first three months or so of living in the new situation. If that amount is still trending flat or going up over time, you know, the budget is working. If it's going down and and we all have that once we move, there is that period of it's called nesting, as my old boss put it. And it's usually a six to nine month period where you get into some new digs and you start to place things around the house and make purchases and kind of fix up your nest, so to speak, so that it suits you and, and suits your family. And so in the beginning, there may be those one-off expenses as you go through that process. But during that period, if your emergency fund dips down and continues to go down, the budget's not working. I mean, you need to sit down and go through what's coming in, what's going out, and see what's new and what's old and see if you can fix it. And it's always easier to identify some of those potential issues in the beginning rather than having them go on for several months. And, you know, all of a sudden you realize you've run up some credit card debt that you didn't realize and other things. So sitting down and looking at that and just keeping an eye on what's going on financially is a good idea, especially when you get into the new place for the first three months or so. Is that usually what you tell people, Chip? Yeah. And you're going to have changes. And in most cases, you've made some projections, right? Most people don't move and have no idea what it's going to cost. But sometimes your assumptions are wrong. And so this is an opportunity just to kind of pause and reflect and make sure that things are working out financially the way that you thought they would. Because the compound effect works in both directions. You know, we talk all the time in investments about how the benefit and the eighth wonder of the world being compounding. But in reality, a small leak in the boat can sink it. And so if you haven't made any adjustments, if maybe now you're spending more than you expected, it also can compound. And I think that we just want to be mindful of and careful about that. I think you're right, John, that 90 day period, kind of a three month period to look back and see the emergency fund and the budget, just double check things. It doesn't have to be a full fledged financial plan update per se, but I do think it's good business to know your numbers. And another part of that, John, is reevaluating if you didn't beforehand, how this move may impact, if you haven't already retired, impact your retirement goals. Because there are a lot of things that changes in jobs can bring about, whether that is, does the change actually have ripple effects on your cost of living or your retirement date? I, I think those are things that a shift in location can bring about that aren't typical. They aren't the things that you think of because it's a gradual shift. Financial planning is one of those things that has potentially hundreds of inputs, but changing one or two of them can dramatically change the arc of all of it. And so I think that revisiting whether or not the change in job, positively or negatively, Right. I mean, there are a lot of ways that it can impact your plan. And I think it's sensible at that point, once you've kind of gotten through that 90 day period and kind of settled in just to see if or how the move kind of changes things in terms of your longer term plan. 
I think one of the things that people don't consider often is when they change jobs, the new employer either may not have a retirement plan at the company if it's a smaller employer, or there may be a restriction on how long you must be employed by the company before you can start to participate in the new retirement plan. And so if your retirement plan includes you saving X amount of dollars every single year, and you can't put any money into the retirement plan for the first year after you move, that's something that you might go in and see either A, how can I adjust for that? Where else can I save the money? Or if I don't save anything this year and I put that money into the house or whatever it is, what does that do to my numbers by skipping a year? And it's probably not going to move the needle a, a meaningful amount if it's just for a short period of time, but it's always something that just gives you an excuse. If you haven't dusted off your signature life plan in a while, it might be time to do that and see what all these changes mean over the long term. And of course, what we would say is it just gives you a good opportunity to reach out to your financial advisor and have a chat, see what's going on. And always, we're here to make people's lives easier, right? And so if we can do that, we want to ask us, email us, call us, all those things. Yeah, even if you're not a client of ours, if you're moving to either of our areas and you want to meet new people, hit us up. Because one thing that I found really early in this line of work is being a financial advisor exposes you to a lot of people. So as part of that, you get to know a lot about the community and, and we're always here. Interestingly enough for me, John, about a third of my clients that I personally work with actively aren't in Florence. And so your financial advisor may very well know plenty of people in an area where you're moving that can begin that kind of networking and connection process. One other thing, John, that I just wanted to circle back and touch on is a lot of times if this move is part of a relocation and you're going to be working, a lot of times your benefits change. And so the employer match in a retirement plan could be different your pay may very well be different. And there are lots of strategies around those. Some folks suggest that you save all of the raise or the pay bump. I personally am one of those folks. I'm a spender. John, we've had this conversation before, I think. And so I'm a big proponent of saving. My suggestion for folks who also want to have a little bit of that lifestyle creep is maybe save half. You know, So increase your savings by half of the raise I feel the same way, honestly, about tax refunds. Spend part of it and save part of it, kind of that Solomon approach, but it allows for folks to reevaluate some of that contribution stuff. Uh, one thing I'll point out and kind of a last point on this for me, John, is if you don't have a plan at your new job, be particularly careful to establish a savings routine because most of our clients a significant portion of their net worth over time comes in the form of that retirement plan. And the reason that most people have a lot of money over time relative to whatever they have in their retirement plan and less outside their retirement plan is because the retirement plan got funded before they could touch it. And so habits work in both directions and it's easy to get out of the habit of saving. And if you get used to, for example, if you don't have for six months or a year, you can't contribute to the retirement plan. If you get used to spending that money, it's significantly harder to go back to saving. And it's why we suggest to young people that they start saving 
as soon as they started getting paid because then you never miss it. Whereas if you have to all of a sudden go back and you've expanded your budget and then contract it by starting back to contribute to the 401k, I'm a big believer, John, in making things as psychologically simple for yourself as possible. And I think that it's easy to get out of the rhythm of that and it can be really, really hard and painful for folks to try to get back into. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's one of those things that you just got this new job and it came with a pay raise and you're going along and realize that you're not saving enough. And so you need to make a change. And all of a sudden you got this job that felt like a reward. And now you're having to make sacrifices in order to make everything work. And mentally, that's just a hard hurdle to get over. And it's so much harder to go backwards rather than start where your budget already doesn't assume that extra money is coming in and build from there. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Great advice. Yeah. Plans don't have to be boring and restrictive. I just think that there's a lot that goes into the financial planning process to money in general that is very psychological in nature. And so sometimes it's best to, from my standpoint, John, for us to use those in our favor and to take advantage of small things that we can do to have ourselves work with us rather than against us. And so I think there are a lot of little nuances to that. And anytime you're moving, in addition to the dust bunnies under the couch, it just stirs up a lot of things. And so I think it's a good time to use this as an opportunity to get both your new physical house, but also your financial house in order. You're a smart man, sir. You know what, John? I'm ending on that. That's as good as it gets for this week. I don't hear that nearly enough. I'm going to rewind that later and listen to it overnight. That will become part of my affirmations tape. Was it Jack Handy? You're good enough. You're smart enough and doggone it. People like you. John Tate, see you again next week, brother. Yes, sir. I'll be here. Here we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at SignatureWealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to SignatureWealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.